It might surprise you if I told you that uh, of all the teachings of Jesus that we have recorded in the New Testament, about 15% of what Jesus said related to money and possessions. Now, when I began to realize that a couple of years ago, I thought to myself, you know what? That means if Jesus were doing the teaching here at New Hope, and I certainly hope he is, amen? If Jesus were doing the teaching here at New Hope, about six weeks to two months out of the year, our weekends would be talking in, in some form or fashion about material possessions and about the grip they can have on our lives or how God wants us to use them in a way that honors him. If Jesus were our discipleship pastor, and I certainly hope that he is, he would have one out of every ten of our growth groups talking about some aspect of material possessions. In fact, it's been said that Jesus spent more time talking about this than heaven and hell combined. I think all of us would say that heaven and hell are pretty serious, pretty important topics, aren't they? What does that say to us? What does that mean? That means that apparently these things that we've been studying together the last few weeks are very critical to our lives. Apparently, and I believe the Bible teaches that they can have a big grip on our lives, but also that if they're under God's control, that they can be used in great ways that God can bring great glory to himself through us. And I got to tell you, after being a Christian for about 25 years and after being in pastoral ministry for over 20 years, I'm still being challenged. God's still speaking to my heart about many areas of my life, but specifically God's been speaking to me about this. Over the last couple of years, God's been kind of showing me some things that I've never thought about before or some areas that I need to grow in that I've never thought about in terms of finances. In fact, you know, uh, even after preaching three messages, now I want you to think about this, guys, okay? I, 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 this is the third message, all right? Now you guys know before I come here on the weekend, I spend this week preparing for tonight. Okay, so God's speaking to me about all this before I get here, then three times every weekend, times three messages. So what do you think? I've got the message, amen? Okay, God's been speaking to my heart. But even after that, it was just yesterday, God was just showing me some things that he wants to break through some walls in my life in this area. If you're kind of interested, I'll just share with you just personally what he's been saying to me. First of all, I kind of got a sense that God's been saying to me, you know, Robbie, uh, I want you to ask yourself this question. Do I have anything of any worldly value? Okay, and obviously all of us do. What do I have that's of worldly value? And if I do have anything of worldly value, do I need it? Or am I using it? If I'm not, if I don't need it, or if I'm not using it, is it okay? Now, this is just for me, okay? But I mean, if God, if God uses this to be a blessing to you, it, he's been speaking to me, if I have something that I'm not using or that I don't need, is it okay to keep something with worldly value and not put it to work for God's glory? In fact, this is the image that kind of God put on my heart. If Jesus came back tonight, and he could, did you know that? He could come back tonight. If he came back tonight, would he find me holding on to anything that I really didn't need but was of value and that I could have put to work for him. But when he came back, I was holding on to it. That's how he's been speaking to me. Or maybe even, he, he said to me, you know, even if you do have something that you're using, Robbie, could I take that? Could, could I take that and downsize that thing? Maybe it is something I need, something that I use, but it, is it something that I could downsize and take the value and, and buy something else that was less expensive and take the difference in the value and used for his glory. By the way, as I share those two things with you, I want, you, I want to share something with you. I'm just sharing some of what God's doing in my heart. Maybe he's speaking to you about tithing. 
starting at that point. Maybe he's thinking you, speaking to you about grace giving, about going beyond tithing. Maybe he's speaking to you about using everything in your life for his glory. And really what we're talking about is stewardship. Okay? That's kind of the word that, that we use and we're talking about these things. It's talking about everything that's, that God's given us, not just our treasures, but all the other things that God's put in our life. And, and I just want to say this to you. As we work through those things, we need to be very careful not to judge one another on those things. What if you see somebody that has something really nice? And maybe you have downsized. And you think to yourself, they shouldn't have that. That's too expensive. They should have they given that away so it could be used by God. Well, you don't know. You don't know if God gave them that. You don't know if someone gave that to them as a gift and God just blessed them because that was something special to their life. We need to be very careful about judging one another, don't we? Okay? Also, God's work in my life doesn't have to be God's work in your life. If I give up something and you don't, that doesn't mean you're not spiritual. If you give up something and I don't, that doesn't mean I'm not spiritual. The Bible says in Romans 14, 4 and 1 Corinthians 4, verse 5, that listen, every one of us are going to give an account of our lives to God. Okay? And so really what we're trying to do as we study God's word is not compare with one another, is not judge one another, is not look at everybody else, but I need to look at my life I need to look at God's work in me. I need to look at the things that God's put in my care. And as I come before God, ask God, Lord, speak to me about how you want to use the things that you've placed in my hands. Do you understand that? Okay, so we need to be very careful about that. So far, we looked at Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 through 12, and we picked up in the last week in the New Testament with 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9. I'll just kind of run through for you real quick the things we've talked about. We've talked about God expects us to give. We've talked about uh, the, the impact that not giving has on our lives. We've talked about that giving brings blessing to our life and it also blesses other people. We talked about giving generously. We talked about giving willingly. And we talked about giving as evidence, as proof that I'm growing in my relationship with the Lord. Our giving financially to God and his work is part of the evidence that I'm becoming a follower of Jesus and I'm becoming more faithful to him. Tonight we want to look at three, three more things as we finish out this series and I want to start uh, here at the end of chapter, uh, chapter 8 tonight. Last time we went through uh, verses 15 in chapter 8. But tonight I want to start with this. The Bible says when God's, God's giving us a challenge to give to his work. But the Bible says when we give, we should give with confidence. There's really two big issues as we think about this in relation to our giving challenge. As God challenges us to give, there's one issue I think that we run into in lots of areas of our life. The first general issue that we run into is basically trust in general. Todd, if you can turn down my monitor here, please. <clears throat> One issue that we struggle with is, can I trust anybody, really? Isn't that true? I mean, have you heard about, uh, do you watch ESPN? Have you heard about the sports uh, programs and colleges that have come under question lately about colleges and coaches and, and all those kind of things? And, and certainly we hear about spiritual leaders that uh, have fallen or have done things wrong and political leaders and even many of us i talk to many people that their family has betrayed them their pan, their family has mis, mistreated them or abused them so we struggle with trust in general don't we but specifically what we're talking about is when god blesses us with resources how can we know that we can trust someone to use those resources wisely in other words with so many bad apples in the world can you ever really trust anybody amen now i gotta be honest with you i 
you know, people come to our church and I just share with them, hey, it's good. I was sharing with someone after the first service. It's good to check out a church, okay? It's good to kind of see, are these people for real? Are they who they say they are? That's not a bad thing. Now, when we get on cynical and when we get on kind of hard case and, and we, we're never going to trust anybody, I mean, sometimes we've got too high a standard, don't we? Nobody's perfect. But it is good to be discerning. And that's the first thing I want to share with you. How can I have confidence when I'm giving, when I'm participating in God's work, how can I have confidence that that's going to be used in a way that honors God? First of all, write this down. You need to ask the Lord to show you that. What do I mean by that? In general, you need to ask yourself, if you're a part of a church family, and we talked about this a little bit last week, but it's coming up specifically. Paul's going to address it in these verses. Can I trust this place? Can I trust this church? Write down 1 John 4, verse 1. The Bible says we need to test the spirits to see if they be from God. Okay? Does that make sense? We need to be discerning as we're responding, as we're listening, as we're allowing other people to lead us spiritually, we need to be discerning about that and make sure that they're really truly being from God. As you're considering partnering together with a church, you need to ask yourself this question. This goes beyond money, all right? In general, when, you say, when, you, when, you, when you're sensing that God's calling you to be a part of a church family, you need to ask yourself, can I partner together with these people? Can I trust these people? Are they for real? Are they doing God's work? Isn't that a valid question? Are they doing God's work? Are they fulfilling God's mission? That's part of the reason we have our discovery class, so that people can hear more about the church family and kind of how we do things, and, and so we can share some of those things. But hopefully, again, I was just talking to somebody after the first service, and they said, you know what? We're all new to this, but we're very excited about what God's doing in our life. But, you know, can you just give us some time because we're just trying to soak it all in. We're just trying to learn. We're just trying to understand what you're about. I said, you know what? Take all the time you need because that's wise. It is wise to say, are these people for real? Are they truly trying to do God's work? Now, again, let's stop short of being cynical <laughs> and, and, and hard for anybody to ever prove themselves to, right? I mean, because sometimes we can kind of go overboard with that. But basically, use wisdom, a reasonable expectation of as I get to know this group of people, can they be trusted? Now, specifically, Paul talks about it. He says in verse 16, he says, but thanks be to God who put the same earnestness on your behalf in the heart of Titus. Okay, now he's been talking about this offering. He says, listen, the same desire that I have that you have, he's, he's put that in Titus too. He brings up this guy named Titus. He says, for he not only accepted our appeal, but being himself very earnest, Titus was very much into this as well, he has gone to you of his own accord. And many people believe that Titus actually went to Corinth and actually received that offering. Well, it actually says in these verses, but, but that actually he was a part of challenging them uh, to give, and then later he was a part of receiving the offering. He says, We have sent along with him the brother whose fame in the things of the gospel has spread through all the churches. And not only this, but he has also been appointed by the churches to travel with us in this gracious work, which is being administered by us for the glory of the Lord himself and to show our readiness taking precaution so that no one will discredit us in our administration of this generous gift. For we have regard for what is honorable, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. We have sent with them our brother, here's a third guy, whom we have often tested and found diligent in many things, but now even more diligent because of his great confidence in you. As for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker among you. As for our brethren, they are messengers of the churches, a glory to Christ. Therefore, openly before the churches, show them the proof of your love 
and of our reason for boasting about you. Basically saying, verse 24, based on what I'm sharing, you can give this offering to these men. So let me give you several things that I believe Paul brings out in these passages that give us confidence when, when we're answering that challenge by God to give to his work, it is smart to say, am I giving to an effort that's going to use his money wisely? First of all, we need to make sure that reliable people are in charge of it. Write that down. He talks about Titus. Titus was a close associate of the Apostle Paul who had a lot of experience with the Corinthians. And apparently, 2 Corinthians 8, verse 6 gives the impression he might have been the guy who challenged the Corinthians to be a part of this offering in the first place. And many people believe that Paul was probably sending Titus instead of taking care of it himself because Paul was kind of the primary motivator behind that offering and he didn't want it to appear self-serving or like he had his hand on it too much. Okay, so Paul sends this reliable guy that he names. He says, this is one of my brothers. This is one of my fellow servants. And he also sent several other eyes to look on it. Write that down. How can we know that God's resources are being used in a wise manner? Second thing is several sets of eyes are looking on it. Paul sent not one guy. He didn't send two guys. He sent three people to receive it. Now, probably two would have been enough. But I think Paul was probably going overboard here because the Corinthians, some of the people in the Corinthian church had a tendency towards kind of questioning the Apostle Paul. And so I think he goes a little bit overboard here to show, no, for real, this is, this is up and up, this is good, and we're going to show you that by sending several people. The last thing is this, <clears throat> by a demonstrated desire to handle it well. The Apostle Paul said in verse 20, he says, listen, this is important to us. This is important to us how it's handled. He says, taking precaution so that no one will discredit us in our administering of this generous gift. For we have regard for what is honorable, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. Paul says, we want to show in every way that what we're doing is up and up. Okay, so we need to ask the Lord. Help us. When I'm giving to an effort, when I'm giving to, my, to a church that I'm a part of, how can I trust? Here's some things we can think of. But secondly, I want to tell you this. When we're thinking about how can I give with confidence, first of all, I need to ask the Lord to give me some wisdom discernment about the church that I'm partnering with, but also we need to realize the limits of our responsibility. What do I mean by that? Okay, if I know that I'm part of a church that I cannot trust with money, okay, first of all, that's a bigger problem, right? That means I probably need to do what? Probably need to find another church, right? If I can't trust that they're using God's resources wisely, if I've got clear reason to believe that, then I probably don't need to be a part of that church anyway. But if you do believe there is reason to trust, that you do believe there's, there's, there's confidence that you can have that these are godly people and they're seeking to use in the kind of ways that we've talked about, there's a point where we just have to leave that up to God and to them. Now, I made a statement a little while back that I want to explain to you. I said, in the offering time, I said, in a sense, it doesn't matter how this money is used. You can turn it down a little bit more, Todd, the monitor. In a sense, it doesn't matter how this money is used. Now, some people say, oh, wait a second, that's making me nervous. Let me share what I mean by that. It does matter how God's money is used. Amen? But in a sense, when I give it, Ultimately, I'm not responsible for how it's used. Who's responsible for it is the person that God entrusted to it, and they're going to give an account to God for it. Ultimately, what I'm doing, when I'm giving my offerings to the Lord, who am I giving them to? I'm giving them to God. Now, again, let's go back. If I have clear reason to believe that I can't trust someone 
then I don't need to give it. I need to find another place where I can give to. But if I have reason to believe that I can give, I need to trust. You know what, God? I'm giving this to you. That's what Paul said about these people. He says they first gave themselves to the Lord, then they gave themselves to us, okay? He says you give it first to the Lord, and then you pass that on to his servants, and ultimately they're going to be responsible. They're going to be accountable for how that money is used. But you get credit for giving it to who? For giving it to God, okay? So the Bible says we can give confidently. And there's some things that we can determine as I'm giving. Because you know what? To be honest with you, for some people, that's why they don't give. Because they're not sure, right? They're not sure. Okay. <laughs> kind of in our mind, what we think is, I'm not going to give away my hard-earned money because I'm not sure if it's going to be used wisely. If that's a question, then I need to find another place I can give it to. I need to find another, another church. If I can't trust the people that are utilizing those resources, then that's a bigger problem. But secondly, the Bible tells us that we should give on purpose. This one's pretty important. I want you to pay attention to this. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, actually starting in uh, verses 1 through 5, Paul again is kind of challenging about the offering. He talks in verse 6 about being generous. We talked about that last time. But in verse 7, he says, each one must do. We talked about this a little bit last week. Each one must do just as he purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God's word teaches that each one of us should give purposefully. We should give intentionally. That was a word that actually was used for voting. Okay, now I know some people actually go in the voters box and just kind of, okay, all Republican or all Democrat or whatever. They don't pay attention. I wouldn't recommend that, by the way, okay? But, but the idea of voting is I think about something beforehand. I make my selection. I make my decision. And then I do it. And that's the word that the Bible uses for our giving. We should give strategically. We should give in a planned, a discipline, not an accident, not an afterthought, not half-heartedly, but very intentionally. I want you to write down two things. Two things I want to point out the Bible says about this. First of all, giving is to be an intentional decision. Some people say, well, I give as I'm led. Okay. Well, how many things in your life that you treat like that really ever get ha- happen? I give as I'm led. I mean, in fact, somebody made this statement. They said, I have a regular time for washing my face. Praise the Lord. I have a regular time for combing my hair, dressing and brushing my teeth. I don't have a regular time for washing my car. And it shows. (laughs) Isn't that true? The things that you plan for are the things that are important and are the things that are going to get accomplished. Somebody else also said this. Most people who approach giving like this overestimate their giving. In fact, what it's saying is, is when we give in kind of a haphazard way, we think we're doing more than we really are. In one recent year, the average adult in the United States contributed $650 a year to church. That's about $10 to $12 a week, and that means that person made $6,500 that year. I kind of doubt that, don't you? I kind of doubt that they only made $6,500. Again, we, uh, many people want to talk about grace giving. Americans, we have a lot of grace that we like to that we like to kind of think about and draw from. But grace giving, if if that's really what we're doing in America, we give two point five percent to the Lord's work. Okay, is it grace giving or are we just letting ourselves off the hook and using that as an excuse? We need to get more serious, more intentional. I want to challenge you because many people have never thought about giving in this kind of way. So, secondly. The Bible says this about it. We're, we'd be committed to it regularly. If we were giving purposefully, it would be something that we would regularly think about. What's the regularity of giving that we find in the Bible? First of all, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 16, 
It happens every week. The Apostle Paul said on the first day of every week, each one of you is to put aside and save as he may prosper. That word put aside and save actually means a treasury. Okay, Each one of you is to put aside and save. Every week we're to have a regular discipline to put in the treasury the work that God has given, the, 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 the blessing that God has given us. Secondly, we're to give as we have increase. In 1 Corinthians 16, 2, it says, On the first day of every week, each one of you is to put aside and save as he may prosper. Okay, there's several places in the Bible. Genesis 28, 22, when Jacob gave, he said, God, I'm going to give you a tenth of all you give to me. Okay, there's that idea, the idea of increase. In fact, uh, if, if you're not crazy about tithing, the best way to not have to tithe is just don't make any money. Because 10% of zeros, right? One of my kids actually said that to me the other day. Like, Dad, you know, I don't have anything to give because I, you know, I don't have any money this week. I said, Well, ten percent of zero is, 10, is zero, right? Okay, so technically, now I, I got to be honest with you because I love the Lord and I want to be a part of His work. Even if I didn't make anything, I'd try to find something to give to the Lord. But, but technically, if you don't want to tithe, temper, He says, give of your increase. Proverbs three verse nine. It says, Honor God from the first of all your produce, of all that you produce. So when God increases you. That's when you take that out. Many people's plan for giving is a lot like this. The offering comes by. They give $5. They give $10. They give $20. Kind of what's in their billfold or what they feel, you know, kind of like today. And maybe something, you know, if I'm going to get real generous, I might throw $100 in there. But I want to ask you to think about that for a moment. Isn't that sounding a lot more like the charity at the mall? Okay, I'm here. They're asking for help, and so I'm going to kind of help out a little bit. I want to challenge you to reconsider that thinking. When you partner together with a church, what you're saying is you're making a commitment that we are going to seek God together, we're going to share God together, we're going to serve God together, we're going to support God's work together. And I really want to encourage you, instead of just thinking of it as, I would like to help out a little, because that's the way I think a lot of people, and I think well-meaning, but I think God wants us to be more strategic than that. Not just, I'd like to help out a little, but I'd like to challenge you to think more like this. If I don't do my part, it won't get done. That's the way we ought to think about it. It's not, I want to help out a little. I want to make a little contribution. It's basically, if I drop the ball on my end, then someone else is going to have to pick that up. Friends, when God leads you to be a part of a church family, do you believe our God's sovereign? Okay, he knows every single person who he's going to call to be a part of this church family. He knows what I make. He knows what you make. He knows what the person next to you makes. He knows what all that put together. And if we're faithful to give, he knows what it takes to do everything he wants to do out of this church family. Do you give regularly? Do you give strategically? Maybe you would say yes, but I want to I ask you this question. If we all give regularly... If we all give intentionally, how come when a snowstorm comes, the offering is down? How come that's the case? Because we think about it as if I'm there, I'll help out a little. But we ought to think about it like this. God has blessed me with resource. He knows how much he gives me. He knows how much he gives these other people. And as we're all faithful, God's going to do everything he wants to do in our church family. We would never think about keeping... Let me ask you this. If, if we ask you this week... Uh, it's Thanksgiving. We're going to do some nice things for some other families. If we gave you $50 to go buy a turkey and the fixings, okay? We gave you $50 to here. 
Here's a check. It's written out of the church account. Here's $50. What would you do with that $50? You'd guard it with your life, wouldn't you? This is whose money? It's the church. Really, it's, it's the Lord's, isn't it? This is God's money. It's for a specific purpose. Would you just stick that in with the other bills in your wallet? Would you say, hey, we're going to McDonald's, and I know I had some money in here that was from the church, but, you know, it'll all wash out, you know, at the end. Would you say that? Nobody would say that. Why do we think about our offering that way? Why wouldn't we think that what God has increased me with, I want to make sure I give back to him? And why wouldn't we be nervous to keep that in our checkbook? Man, I know this is getting very practical, but I want to challenge you. Are you thinking about the resource that God has entrusted to you the way the Lord thinks about it? We should give every week as often as we receive blessing from God. If we're not, we're keeping the Lord's money and the resource that he's given us. He knows how much to give us to provide for our needs. And he knows how much to give through us to provide for his work. But lastly, and this is the most exciting, give with great expectation. Look at the end of chapter 9. You know what's unfortunate about, again, I don't want to overemphasize this. I've emphasized it all throughout because of the topic that we're talking about. So many times when we're talking about money, it's sweaty palms or, you know, wipe your forehead or honey, hold on, you know. Uh, this is the giving message or the pastor, you know, this is the time of year or whatever. We're, we're always thinking about it like that. I believe that God is wanting to say to us, if you would just chill out and open up your heart, I have something for you that you're missing. Listen to what he says. God says we should get excited about giving. Look at verses 8 through 11. He says, listen to the superlatives in this verse. I love this verse. This sounds like our extravagant God. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. Wow, that verse is like over the top, isn't it? It's basically saying God wants to do a lot of stuff in you and for you and through you. And he wants to do it to the max. I mean, he talks about all and every and grace and abounding and always and everything and every good deed. And what he says in verses 8 through 10 is, is that God wants to give you. If you would trust God, you ought to have great excitement about giving to the Lord because God wants to give you more to work with. Look at verses 9 and 10. Actually, let me focus on verse 10. He says, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. Listen. Many people take a sheet of paper, we write it all out, we try to make it make sense. I understand the Bible talks about living wisely, but the Bible also calls us to walk by faith. And in these verses, God is calling us to step out and to trust him. Listen to what God says to you. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Many of us live by addition. We are programmed to live by addition. But God can do multiplication. Amen, kids in fifth grade? God can do multiplication. He knows all his multiplication tables, all right? 
He can take five loaves and two fish with 5,000 men and their wives and their kids, so probably 10 or 15,000 people. He can take five loaves and two fish and somehow feed everybody. That's multiplication, isn't it? In these verses, now listen to me, because I know some of you, you know, you're arguing in your mind, well, it just doesn't what? Add up. Amen. There is something I've never noticed, actually, until this week. Listen to what somebody said. You can't afford to give because you don't give. Turn it down a little bit more, Todd, please, the monitor. You can't afford to give because you don't give. Did you hear that? We want to add it up and say, I can't afford to. Well, first of all, that's the wrong approach. Remember how we said we should start with God and then whatever's left? Instead of saying, here's everything else and then God what's left. But the Bible, write down Haggai chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. God told the people, I've never seen that verse till this week. God told the people that he couldn't bless them with more because they were misusing what he had already given them. If I am taking away from what I'm supposed to be giving to the Lord and to his work, the Bible says God is not going to entrust me with more. Did you hear that? So we're taking what we see on paper and we're saying this won't work and the Lord's saying, yeah, you're right. It won't work. I have, listen, friend, Many of us are living on less than we should. God says, I have more for you. But first, you've got to trust me. Now, I hesitate to say that because I don't want to be that televangelist. Give a dollar and God will give you a thousand. Okay? That's not what the Bible says. But the Bible does say that God will give you plenty of seed to sow. And it sounds like he's talking about finances. God will give you everything you need to do to be faithful to him. How about that? Okay, secondly, he says this is what will happen in your life. You're going to grow spiritually. Listen, this verse, I'm still working on what exactly it means. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. I don't know exactly what that's saying, but I like it, whatever it is. God will increase the harvest of my righteousness. That sounds like God's going to be doing some things in me. Amen? There's some righteousness. There's some growth in Christ that needs to happen. And by me stepping out in this area, God's going to be doing some of that. It also sounds to me like I'm going to be seeing some things happen through my life. He's going to increase the harvest of your righteousness. And we're going to talk about that here next. God not only is going to do something in your life, look at what he's going to do in other people's lives. Look at verse 12. For the ministry of this service is not only fully supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing through many thanksgivings to God. Because of the proof given by this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedience to your confession of the gospel of Christ and for the liberality of your contribution to them and to all, while they also by prayer on your behalf yearn for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. Friends, we're talking about giving. This is going to be unlocked by giving. He says the needs of the saints of God's people are going to be provided. What does that mean? That means that there are things that God wants to provide and do in people's lives that because you give, it's going to be met. Isn't that awesome? Somebody this week is going to call and say, hey, we're running late on our electric bill. Could the church help us out? Because you gave, we'll be able to help them. 
Okay? Somebody this week is about to give up on their marriage or their family, and they're going to come to a mom-to-mom minister. They're going to come to a youth minister. Or the youth just went on an overnight, and one of our young people accepted Christ as his Savior. We're able to do all those things because you give. The needs of the saints are being provided. Ministry leaders. Have you ever been working on something and just needed a tool? You ever been working on something and just said, if I just had that tool? Isn't it exciting to think about? And I want you to think about when you give your offering each week, I want you to think about like this. There are ministry leaders in our church and they need some resources and they want to help. They want to serve. They want to be a blessing to other people. They just need resources to be able to do it. And I'm going to say to them, go do it. The needs of the saints are going to be met because you gave. Isn't that exciting? Y'all don't seem as excited as I feel. Isn't that exciting? Lives are changed because you give. He says people are going to be overflowing with thanksgiving and gratefulness. There are people in Thailand. There are, teen, there are teenagers. There are, there are university students who now are thanking God because you, some of you in this room have not been to Thailand and some of you may never go to Thailand. But you have helped send teams of people three years in a row from our church to start a ministry for Christ amongst the people in Thailand. And those young people are saying, why do y'all do that? Why do the people who come take off work, lose money, then have to pay $2,000 and a bunch of you help them to do that? Why do you do that? Praise God. He must be a great God if his people do things like that. Isn't that awesome? There are people who are praising God because of you. They'll be glorifying him. Listen, listen, isn't this awesome? This shows you the picture, the impact of a generous church. I have been a part of a couple of generous churches in my life. And it is a great place to be. I'm not talking about people feeling guilty about giving. I'm talking about people catching a vision for sacrificially serving others. And part of that is giving of what God's given me so others can be blessed financially. There is something awesome about a place like that listen to what he says they will glorify god isn't that what our purpose is they will glorify god for your obedience to your confession of the gospel of christ okay what is that saying they will glorify god because your giving proves that you really are a christian that's what it says it says your obedience to your confession of the gospel you said you're a christian and you're showing it And they're praising God because of that. And for the liberality of your contribution to them and to all. Why do you people do this? Why do you give so much? I can't wait for the day. Some of these new church plants that we're praying about. I can't wait for the day for some of these local communities. And we go help and we go serve and we go bless them. And people say, why? Y'all live in Queensbury. Y'all live in Glens Falls. Why are you coming to Lake George? Why are you coming to Corinth? Why are you coming to Granville? Why are you giving us this backyard Bible club? Why are you letting us have a free soccer clinic? Why are you doing all that? Why are you so generous? And then it says, while they also, by prayer on your behalf, yearn for you. Because of the surpassing grace of God in you. There are people in Thailand who now love you. There are people in Thailand who love New Hope Community Church. Because of all that you have done for them. To lead them to Christ. And to help them to grow in their relationship with the Lord. There's something about giving that that there's a kinship. There's a connection. There are people in Thailand now who are praying for our building project. They're praying for us. They're asking God for people to come to know the Lord in our church family. They've connected with us. There's a fellowship with us. All because we gave. 
Isn't there something about giving financially that says to somebody, no, really, I care about you. I care so much, I'm willing to sacrificially give of what I've earned so that you can have better. Listen to what Randy Alcorn's had a big impact on my life and, and many of his resources. We're going to have some of these resources online for you, hopefully next week, to, to look at. But this is what he said. Listen to this, friends. If Western Christians all practice tithing, I'm not talking about grace giving, I'm not talking about volunteer free will offering. I'm talking about just, just what God told us to do that is his. If Western Christians all practice tithing, the task of world evangelism, that means letting everyone have the opportunity to hear about Christ. The task of world evangelism and feeding the hungry, which, by the way, we should get a lot more serious about. The task of world evangelism and feeding the hungry would be within reach. So here, catch this vision with me. Already, right here where we sit, is all the resource God needs to do his work. Isn't that amazing? It's already here. I believe that the sovereign God knows who, ne who needs to come and be a part and partner with our church family. He knows what it's going to take to accomplish his purpose in this area and around the world. It's already right here. And if we could just have a get-together with all the other churches, and we could say, hey, everybody, let's just all agree... We're going to all start doing what God said we're supposed to do in the area of finances. If we did that, I'm not kidding you. If today, if after this weekend, if this church family, if every person said, sign me up, if that's what God says, that's what I'm going to, if everybody did, I'm not kidding you, you would, you would notice very soon a major difference. Major ministry difference. Isn't that exciting? I mean, right here, ready to go, lives can be changed. And then the last thing it says in these verses, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. You know what happens, friends? This is, this is it, okay? This is it. The reason why do you do this? That's what people say. Why do you do this? Many of us are looking for opportunities to share Christ with our friends and neighbors, right? Are we? We're praying about opportunities. God, help me to have an open door. You know what? When you sacrificially serve others, and especially in this way, because money is a big deal to everybody. So when you give your finances so that someone else can benefit, people are going to say, why does your church do this? Why do y'all have a clothing closet and don't charge? That's dumb. You could make a lot of money. And I say to them, yeah, that'd be a great way to ruin it. I mean, just... Just charge a dollar. There's a big difference between a dollar and free. Did you know that? Just charge a dollar and we'd ruin it. Here's what I think. We're not missing an opportunity to make money. I believe that by sacrificially serving others, God will provide all we need to do that and more. Amen? We're not losing a dollar on a little shirt for a kid. Let that precious little kid have that shirt and God will provide everything so that we can be able to do it for him. Amen? And when we do that... I can say to them, people say, why do you do this? I don't say, oh, I'm just a nice guy. I wake up in the morning just thinking how I can help people. I tell them, I'm selfish. I was heading the wrong direction, but God changed my life. And I wanted to tell as many people as I possibly can what, that he wants to change their life as well. And if us washing your car for free 
If us uh, giving your kid a free T-shirt at a soccer clinic, if us going out in the community and serving in some way, if in some small way we can just point you to Christ and what he's done for you, then praise God for it. Praise God for his indescribable gift. You ought to get excited that as we partner together in this way, God is going to get glory and people are going to say, okay, those people are serious. I want to hear about that, God. Now, I told you at the beginning of this short series that I warned you that you might hear some things that were going to rock your world. Okay? Some things you've never heard of before. Or maybe for some of us, some things we've heard about, but God wants to remind us about. Was I right? Is God challenging you? Is God speaking to your heart? I see a few nods, but not overwhelming. Is God challenging you? <laughs> Let me just share my heart with you. Thank God we were taught well in church. And tithing has never been a question. It's just, it's just from the start. That's what we're doing. Uh, by the way, can I just tell you something? I have never missed that. I have never dreaded that. Thank God. There's been a couple times I, th- I just once I thought to myself, wow, you know, <laughs> that's a lot of money. But you know what? We have never even thought about that. Thank the Lord. It's just part of our life. Maybe that's what God's challenging you. That's the next step for you. What God's been speaking to me about is this whole grace giving thing. Last couple of years, God's been speaking to me about this whole grace giving thing. See, actually, I didn't realize this. I thought by tithing that I was good. Okay, I was tithing. I was giving. So I'm good. I can move on to other issues. All right? Other things I need to deal with. But what God's been showing me through the example, really, of some really sacrificial people uh, that I've read about and testimonies I've seen and people that I've known. And we want to expose you to these stories. Did you know there are lots of people that give away half their income? There are lots of people that give away 20% of what they make. There are lots of people that do that. There are lots of people that, that think to themselves, you know what, God's given me this, 100% of it's his. I know he's given me some of it to take care of my needs, right? The Bible says if you don't provide for your own family, you're worse than an unbeliever. 1 Timothy 5.8, right? So Some of that is for our family. I need to take care of my wife and kids and the people that I love. But as Americans, we probably think about keeping a lot more than we should. And so God's been challenging me. How can we grow? How can we give God more? And listen, remember what we said in 2 Corinthians 9, 7? It's not out of obligation. I want to. I want to find ways that I can be a blessing to more people. Is that what God's saying to your heart tonight? I've been tithing, maybe you would say. I've been tithing. I, I've taken that step. I thought I was good, but man, God's just really opening up a whole other way of thinking about it for me. And really that image for me, that's really what kind of caught me this week. If Jesus came back, again, I don't say this guilt or duty or obligation or fear. I love the Lord. He's my Savior. I love Him. And, and I know I've been forgiven and... I'm trying to walk with him, you know, so it's not out of, you know, guilt or fear. But when he comes back one day, I'd like to know that everything he gave me was being used for the purpose he gave it to me for. Is that a good way of putting it? So, God, just let's just put it all on the table. Let's start where we need to start. 
And then let's put it all on the table and say, God, do you want my car? Do you want my house? Do you? So you're like, oh, good grief. This is getting a little crazy for me. No, we're not going to require anybody to sell your house or sell your car. I'm just saying, it's Jesus' car. In fact, that kind of helps when you wreck it. <laughs> okay, Lord, you're going to have to give me another one because they just tore up this one. You see how that sets you free? I don't need any of this stuff. It's all just passing through anyway. I don't know how God's speaking to your heart. Maybe it is the trust thing I talked about last week. Somebody told me after the service last week, you know, I appreciate you sharing that because I think that's my issue. I'm not trusting the Lord. Maybe that's what it is. It's not even, it's not even money. You know, the reason I think the Lord says so much about money and the reason we fight it so much is because it may be one of the biggest things in our lives that keep us from experiencing his purpose. And tonight I want to ask you this. As we close out this series on the giving challenge, first of all, I want to ask you this. Will you take that challenge? Somebody asked me, they said, you know, Pastor Holly, you know, I got, I got a certain amount of money and I got certain bills that I pay and I know a certain amount and, and, and I don't know if I can give that. I said, well, you got to talk to the Lord about that. Because he said, test me now in this and see if I won't provide for you. I'm just telling you what he's saying, right? It's his challenge tonight. Are you willing to take that challenge? Maybe there's something else God's speaking to you about, and that's just kind of revealed to you. This message, this series has sort of revealed something in your heart that you need to deal with. Let's give the Lord that opportunity right now. I'm going to ask you just to bow with me for just a moment. Many times you hear me say this. I'm going to say it this time too. After this week, we're moving on. The Giving Challenge, it was a three-part series. I'm sure we'll talk about it again one day as God leads us. But really for now, we're moving on. So I just want to draw your attention to that. Because you know what? Sometimes God speaks to us and we file it. And it's five years later before we come back. But you know what God says? He says, today's the day. Now's the acceptable time. Right now, if God's speaking to your heart, don't harden your heart, but listen to him. What is he trying to say to you? Maybe Christian like the Corinthians, you're growing in every other area, but this one's been off limits and God's challenging you. You got to get this one straight. You're missing out on so much. Maybe it is trusting him. Maybe tonight you're not a Christian. And none of this makes sense to you. You know what? I would just say forget about the finances. It's just the finances are just a, a small indicator of a bigger issue. The bigger issue is we, we entrust your life to God. Friend, do you realize tonight if you've never received God's gift that we're all sinners? And that our sin separates us from God. And if you died without receiving that forgiveness through Christ, that you'd be separated from your Creator forever and ever. And He doesn't want that to happen. And right now, would you be willing to say, Jesus, I believe in you. I trust in you. I surrender my life to you. I ask you to come into my heart and wash my sins away and be my Savior. 
Father, all over this room, I know you're working in people's hearts. I pray that you'd help us to respond to your direction. Not Robbie's direction, but your direction, God. Help us to hear your voice clearly and to obey in Jesus' name. Amen.